Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football. Welcome to Bink at Night. And welcome in, Jay Binkley, Bink at Night, with Colin Settle producing the operation. Colin, good evening to you. Saw you earlier during the game, and you were going to go run like 15 miles. It was two. We'd say 15. You know what, though? Two, and how hot is it? It's pretty hot, right? Uh, it was close to probably about 97 when I went out. I came home panting. I'm pretty tired right now. Is it really that hot right now? It got pretty hot when I was outside, yeah, when I was, when I was trying to be healthy, yeah. My phone says 89. Are you lying? I would never. On your show, I would never. Maybe it's th- the real feel, 96. When it gets 89, 90, it doesn't matter, really. I mean, it's still an oven. It still sucks. You lose some of that cloud cover. It gets pretty hot, too. Would you take zero or 100? Huh. I think I'd take 100. I went up to uh, Minnesota in January, and it was negative... And I think showed up right in the middle of a snowstorm. It was here like, like last year. Not was it this winter, or the winter before, or was zero to minus ten for like a week. I think that was twenty twenty one. So not this winter, the winter before. Okay. Uh, yeah, I remember because uh, the place I was staying at at the time did not have a full like door. The there was an inch <laughs> gap oh at God. the bottom of the door, so we had to put a bunch blankets. of blankets. And jackets and whatever we could find to block all that cold air from it was still cold in the living room, but we had to well, I imagine so, try man. our best. <laughs> Should have used some gorilla tape. It was awful. What were those? What were those old infomercial where they the slider? Oh, flexio. Well, no. no, it's like the they put them under the door and you slide it in. I'll find the name of it. You could have flex sealed some stuff. You could have put like a steel piece. I love me flex some flexio, man. Hey, you could have flex sealed some stuff. Love some flex seal. Yeah, you could have made it work. And we I, did. We did. I, I actually don't mind, like, in the 30s or whatever. I know that because whenever it's real cold in the winter and hits in the 30s, like 33, 34, people hit the car wash because you're acclimated to it. Mm-hmm. You acclimate to cold, it gets, like, 34, 35, and you feel great. Whenever it gets to, like, 60, 
maybe like 65 when it's like hoodie and shorts weather. That's my that's my cup hey, of tea. Hoodies right and shorts weather's in the 50s or 40s, isn't it? You start getting the 60s, you gotta. Yeah, I think it depends on the person. Shed the, I think there's uh, a lot of factors. The wind plays into it, hmm. body temperature, stuff like that. Well, the Phil Steele uh, college football guides out. I always like talking to Phil. Every year is a rite of passage. I, I told you, Colin, I'll go to the library, Barnes & Noble, once a year, and I'll get whatever magazines, and they did not have this particular uh, magazine. I'm waiting for it. Hopefully they mail it. But if it's not there, I don't get it. It's the way it is. One trip. One trip. That's it. It's like carrying in the groceries. It's the only time this guy's going to the library once. Yep. A year. It's, a, it's an annual thing. And that's what I got to do. But you got lots of football camps coming up this year and everything else. Royals win today 2-1 to one over the Rangers. Zach Greinke makes his 500th career start in Major League Baseball and gets a win out of it. That, that was so good to see. Greinke pitched awesome today. The Royals needed it. That was uh, the stopper type stuff you got from Zach Greinke. This team had lost four games in a row. You didn't want four turning into five. This is what you do. You bring in a Hall of Famer like that, and uh, he stops the bleeding for a small point. Actually, you know, if you want me to be positive because I'm about to be negative, um, the Royals can be uh, not in last place anymore real quick. They've got a series coming up here with Detroit. Detroit sits two games ahead of them now um, in the standings. And I know it's small victories, but... And I know a lot of you guys like small victories. I've, I've heard it a lot on Vern's post-game show where, you know, the Royals will have good contact or good three innings by a pitcher, and, and we want to get excited about things like that. But uh, actually, Detroit doesn't play tonight, so they'll start the series uh, Friday. They already uh, won uh, today. They won in the afternoon against San Francisco 3-2. Three to, three to Detroit did so. They're off tomorrow, then they'll play the Royals for three. So first place, or not first place, but uh, last place is on the line in that series, Colin. But I'm, I'm at this point, and you do a lot of the Royals shows, so you hear Josh Vernier after the games. And, yeah, they get the angry people, fire this person, fire that person. You get the venom from people. But there's there's also this 50% group, and almost last night I was listening like 65% group of, well, the weather was nice. Well, we got free Hawaiian shirts. It was Vinny's debut. You know, it would, but he still lost the game. There's always that part. Yeah, but Vinny made good contact. Or yeah, but the other day, Jackson Core gave you three good innings. I'm, I'm done with that, man. I'm done with the small victories. Done. I mean, what else do you have at this point? Well, that's the only thing you have to hold on right. to. That's, that's, that's the it, only you thing know, you have to hold on teams to. In- you know, Major League Baseball, all you have is the small victories at this point. Yeah, but I mean, we've had that. You know, you like seeing it. Love seeing Bobby, you know, kind of come out of his shell with a slow start. Bobby Wood Jr. is going to be awesome. That's the future of this franchise. The other day I was sitting there thinking, you know, Chris Bubich has a commercial. And Bobby Wood Jr. does not. And Bobby's doing like Patrick Mahomes did his first year, which is really cool. You, know, you don't do endorsements or anything. You let the first year go. And I respect that a lot. It worked out well for Mahomes. It's going to work out well for Bobby Witt Jr. But come next year, he'll be on everything. He'll be on high V commercials. We like him and Mahomes, you know, on that commercial. But he will be a commercial sensation in this town. I hopefully he will be nationally, but I don't think he is because that's the way kind of baseball works, where it's more of a regional thing for stuff like that, where Mahomes, a national star with State Farm and 
Oakley and and you name it with Patrick Mahomes. That's the NFL. The star power, the marketing, the branding is so much better than Major League Baseball. It's not even uh, in comparison with the two. But I was all about that, that small victories. You know, I wanted to see Bobby come up, which he did. He started the season up here. Then you want to see MJ Melendez come up here, which he did. And then we got to see Vinny come up here, which we did. And he made his debut last night. Still waiting on a few others. Maybe it's going to be nice to see Nick Prado get up here and Michael Massey uh, get up here, who's going to be a stud, I think, for this organization, which give them time. But eventually, you want to start seeing those things work out. You want to see those things materialize in the wins. You don't want to see the 0 and 22 when you're down in the first inning. You want to see a team that can fight and come back. You don't want to say this game's over after the first inning, which is essentially what you can do if they're down because they don't win. And that's not good. And I understand, you know, Rob and I were having this discussion as well. And I don't want to be the half or the glass half empty guy. I, I want to root for the team and I'll always root for the Royals. Win or lose, because you know what? It's more fun. It's more fun if you're with the team when they're down, because the success is so much better. It's like when you're a fan, you didn't leave the Royals. A lot of people did, but did you leave the Royals at 04 and 05 and 06? They gave you a little hope in 03. Did you lose faith in 010? Did you say, well, the next rebuild, the next young stars like Hosmer, Moose, Duffy, Perez, they're going to come up here and change things for the Royals. You know, I bought into it, and it was fun because 14 and 15, I was like, whoa, especially 14. 13, they made a run to the end to play the White Sox before they were officially eliminated. But that's when things started really churning. They had a winning record, and then parlayed itself into the playoffs the next year. But that was fun. And I remember that night in Chicago in 2014 when they clinched. I was down there with Josh Vernier. And uh, Vern went, I don't know, four or five hours on the postgame show, something like that. You think uh, you do some long postgame shows, Colin. Uh, matter of fact, after the, the Royals won the World Series in 15, he did it all night long. Like, it was a postgame show the whole night long. People were just calling in, celebrating. People were calling in, crying, and you know, a longtime Royals fans. Yeah, you had the uh, Johnny-come-latelys as well. When the team starts winning, you know, they throw that Yankees hat down and they put on the Royals hat and start cheering, which is fine. The more the merrier. But if you went through the losses, the victories are sweeter. When I first got here calling the Royals, used to have Fan Fest over here in um, Johnson County. I don't even know the name of the the building. It's over here. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? It's over here off. I am not College from the Boulevard area, so and all that. Yeah, but, not the one to ask. But they had it out here in Johnson County, and you walk around, and not many Royals hats or Royals shirts or anything like that. It was, you know, you wore a Royals hat in a different state or something. And people kind of laugh at you, whatever. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And you say, "Well, I'm a Royals fan. That's what I'm doing." Then they moved it to Bartle. And then all of a sudden, you started seeing more Royals gear, right? And then 14 and 15 was insane. 15 was off the hook. 16 was. You know, they have these partitions where they can keep expanding. Like, you can make the room smaller than you want, and then you can expand it. And they had, like, all the way expand. They had timed entry. There were so many people that wanted to go. They had timed entry to get in the Fan Fest. Last couple of years, it's kind of sucked because you didn't have it because of COVID and everything else. Because I think Fan Fest is kind of that kickoff to the season and to get excited about it. But when you go through those seasons with the 100 losses, when you start winning, it feels so much better. It's like the Chiefs. You never left the Chiefs. 2012, as miserable as that season was, and you flew banners and everything else. You wanted change. 
And then you saw change. The change came in Andy Reid. And his worst season with the Chiefs is nine wins. And you believe in the Chiefs. You have high expectations for the Chiefs each and every year. But baseball is played differently than the NFL because the financial aspects are different. And the Royals are the only small market team to go out and win a World Series in this era of mega TV deals. And they did it with the $20 million TV deal. Now it's gone up to this point, but still pales in comparison to what other teams you know, pay for. But I'm enjoying the youth movement. And I enjoy watching the Royals still every night or listening to them on the radio. Baseball's still a great medium on the radio, whether you're outside mowing the lawn, sitting on the back deck, drinking a beer, grilling out, whatever. Baseball is still magical on the radio. You know, as long as Denny Matthews is still doing games and listening to Ryan LaFever, Fizz, uh, Rex Hudler, all those guys make me want to watch the game Makes me want to watch Bobby Wood Jr. I want to watch MJ Melendez, and I'm going to want to watch Vinny Pascantino, but I want to see him start winning. You know, it's not about we just made good contact or Jackson Coar gave you three innings. You want to see this turn into wins. Like, that's what I want to see going forward. It's not feel-good stories anymore, like, oh, they made good contact or all that. That's a losing mentality, man. It's about putting wins on the board. It's about winning series. That That's the name of the game. The name of the game is not to play well or play hard or have good contact. No, the name of the game is to win games, and I want to see him start doing that at this point. Let's go to Double J in KC. What's up, Double J? Hey, my mug. How you doing? Thanks for taking the call. Uh, I was at the game today. It was a fun game. Glad I went out. Uh, Granky pitched a pretty solid game today. Uh, and I just enjoyed it. And what makes me go out to the game, whether we think or whether we're good, I, I enjoy watching these stats like Bobby Wood Jr., MJ Melendez, watching Granky pitch today. I mean, and watching like Jan Lick, Brady Sooner. Yep, they're going through their growing pains this year, but next year, I expect them to compete. And hopefully, Danny can take it for a while if I'll start next year. And I'm just a diehard Royal fan, and that's just me being a true fan right there. And hoping for the best next year, too. I just, I don't know, just, it's fun watching Bobby Wood Jr. Do it, and I uh, appreciate the call. And, hey, uh, that uh, building you were talking about for campus, I think that's the Overland Park Extension Center that they used to have at. All right, thanks for the call, Double J. Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, there's some optimism. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I like to see Bobby Wood Jr. at bats. You know, I kind of wish there was an app, like Mark Cuban was talking about, a while back where you can focus in on your favorite players. Like, I wish there was an app whenever he came to the bat. And boom, you start seeing him. It's not going to happen because of all major league, you know, blackout rules and everything that they have. But, yeah, it's exciting to watch. But I want to see them start winning games. Like, I want them to see them, how much better it feels. Because you hear about the clubhouse and you hear Vern talking about, you know, the clubhouse earlier and, you know, maybe some tension in there. Tension is always going to be wherever you're at if you're losing. Things lighten up so much more when you win. Just like when the Royals are winning games, they were loose and having fun. I'll never forget. And I was going out to about 65, 70 games a year at that point. And well, when I when I covered the Royals and on pre and post, I was out there every single night. But I was out there most of the nights. And I liked watching the uh, body language in the clubhouse. Ned kept this thing loose, man. Ned kept that really loose. Players had fun. You know, not to say that Matheny can't have fun with these players, but winning breeds fun. You know, you have fun after the games or you when you're losing, you're not having fun. You're getting on the plane in a bad mood. You're flying. You're not talking. 
when you win, things are more a party atmosphere. You feel better about yourself. You start combining more as a team. Not saying the Royals need to run and make the playoffs this year. Start stringing together some victories, man. Just like this four-game losing streak. They've lost four out of five. They get the win today. How about win four out of five? How about turn that kind of way? Yeah, the loss is still going to come with this team. They're still a fun team to watch. Start stringing wins together. I think that's what we all want to see. Well, there's uh, some rumored deals out there for maybe a guy like Andrew Benatendi. Tis the season. We discuss that next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Bank at Night. Dr. Ron Cobb from ArrowheadPride.com at 630 as we've been taking a look at uh, different series, he has his Reed remix out for the summer and most underappreciated Kansas City Chiefs as we did top five most important Chiefs uh, last weekend. So we'll get into that. From the text line, Jay Southland, Toe Service text line, 913-586-7610. Um, wore my KC gear every year in St. Louis, early 2000s. Brutal. Bank back in 2015, I rocked my Hosmer jersey in L.A. and New York and got respect. It was awesome. Not now. I mean, there was a lot of Royals fans in 2014 that gave me respect. In 2015, I think people were now taking them seriously. Like in 14, it was like a cute story. But in 15, they're like, oh, man, this team is actually really good. This team is able to come in and beat us at any point and that was fun for the Kansas City Royals because you know in 2014 they didn't eh, that's a great story great story they like to see what the Kansas City Royals did 2015 I think they were uh, tired of seeing that in 2016 uh, I do believe they were definitely tired of that but Andrew Benatendi um will be traded this year we all we all know that's going to happen now will he be packaged with somebody else you know Vern was talking about on the post game if he, he's paired with uh, Scott Barlow you could probably get a top 100 prospect back. Uh, they are going to have to 
do some shrewd trading because it becomes new voices. The new voices of this team is Bobby Wood Jr., MJ Belenzes, Nick Prado. You know, they don't need older players around that locker room or whatever. They need to be the voices. That's the young core. That's who should be the, the voices going forward. John Morosi had a couple tweets out today. Said the Blue Jays and Royals are potential trade partners ahead of August 2nd. It's the uh, trade deadline as it was pushed back to August 2nd because the season started late. Toronto is among the teams with interest in Andrew Benatendi. And Casey is appealing bullpen arms as well. Then John uh, Paul Morosi later tweets out, Andrew Benatendi is wanting to watch the Phillies trade for an outfielder. As I mentioned on MLB Network a short time ago, he's on an expiring contract, is having an all-star year with the Royals and winning a World Series title in Boston with current Phillies GM Dave Dombrowski. So that's the connection there um, with that is being concerned. But And the Royals, you know, had that front office, I think, would deal with the Kansas City Royals, and it would be an interesting situation. The Blue Jays in second place. Uh, 13 games back of the Yankees as we sit now, but still a playoff team. The Phillies, three games over 500, seven and a half back. Um, I guess they don't feel like, and they shouldn't feel like that, uh, throwing the towel in at this point. I, I definitely wouldn't do that if I'm the Philadelphia Phillies and keep trying to scratch those wins across. But can you rebuild that magic? Can you rebuild that magic of what the Kansas City Royals had by making some shrewd moves. Making some shrewd moves to have everybody excited about it. Josh Vernier is with uh, J.J. Piccolo, the general manager of the baseball team, just a few days ago and was was talking about with the right moves, there's no reason to think this team can't turn things around. No, I, I, I know where you're going, and, I, and we're optimistic about that. I mean, I, and we have to let certain players, young players, whether it be hitters or pitchers, kind of go through these growing pains. And I know that's a difficult thing to accept, but that's where we are. But now when you add a few pieces here and there, and, and in this case we're able to add a young player that's going to get valuable experience in 22, well, how's that help us in 23? Um, you know, it was nice that we were able to get sort of a variety package in return in a, in a player that we believe is going to help our major league team now and somebody who's going to help our major league team down the road. That was ideal for us. And then, you know, the financial part of it was a factor as well. So we felt like we hit on something that made sense on all fronts. Uh, and now we get a chance to give Vinny the at-bats and start moving forward at that position. So Vinny comes here, and again, there's some good young talent, and there will need to be probably a Bobby Witt Jr. extension we're talking about at some point because remember Fernando Tatis and others have got that uh, contract extension at an earlier age, but uh, we'll get more into this later. But time to shift our attention to the Kansas City Chiefs. And by the way, there's just three weekends, including this one coming up, where there's no Chiefs football. Then after that, after those three weeks, quarterbacks and rookies report. Then it's on, buddy. Then it's on, Colin. Get whatever you're going to do out these three weeks because then it's time to head to St. Joe. Hopefully gas prices will go down by the time it's uh, <laughs> time to go to St. Joe. But anyway, we'll talk to the lead analyst uh, at Arrowhead Pride, Ron Kopp, about his read remix and his most underappreciated chief. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives. Streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back to Big and I, Jay Binkley. Colin Settle produced the operation. We are less than a month from the Kansas City Chiefs in training camp in St. Joe. And then it's on. We have that hopefully through February. Then we're back to talking combine, the draft, you name it. And we'll chill out again. Then we'll start football again. Works that way. Let's go to Ron Cop, lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com, at Ron underscore Cop, K-O-P-P. Good evening, Ron. Good evening, Jay. Good to talk to you, as always. How are you? We're doing good, my friend. Well, last time I had you on, we looked at the top five most important Chiefs to the success in 20, or 2022. Now we'll look at the five most non-important. Just kidding. <laughs> That'd be, that would be funny, though. I would name them off. On, on radio, name them all off. No, we don't have to do that. But uh, the one thing you've been doing each and every week is the Reed remix, um, talking about the offense, how they're going to look differently in different situations. And you spent a lot of time both breaking down on Twitter with kind of uh, the Buccaneers and Ronald Jones, the way they utilized him, how the Chiefs' rushing attack can be more impactful in 2022. And I'll say this. This offensive line is the perfect setup to me for run for the run game. I mean, you think about Creed Humphrey's a mauler, Trey Smith is a mauler, Joe Tooney's used to this in New England where they ran the ball a lot, especially when they're near the goal line. And Orlando Brown comes from an offense that a couple years ago ran for more yards in the history of anybody in the NFL, and he's blocked for a quarterback that's ran for a thousand yards uh, in Lamar Jackson. The perfect offensive line set up for this, Ron. What do you expect? Well, that's a great jumping off point here because I the thing that the Andy Reid Chiefs, the, the tenure and his, you know, him being in Kansas City is he's always gotten away with, you know, some pretty, I don't want to say lackluster offensive line, just not super talented. You know, he's had good bookend tackles throughout his career, right? He's had Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher in Kansas City. But that interior offensive line, he has always kind of gotten away with, all right, we'll just throw a seventh-round pick here, a sixth-round pick here. And it's always worked. And, and, and honestly, it's because the interior offensive line is, is one of the most replaceable positions in terms of, you know, if you have a good scheme, you can scheme around, you know, uh, you know your, your deficient guards and centers well. Now he has really good guards in the center, obviously. And I think that's where they need to utilize the run game a little more in terms of actually being a, an impactful part of the offense. 
I think I've always kind of categorized the run for an Andy Reid's offense as kind of just a time filler. He's almost just, you know, buying time between plays. Hey, let's, let's waste 30, 45 seconds here between pass plays by just handing off on inside zone, right? Handing off on outside zone. He doesn't get super creative with what they do in their, in their, you know, true, their run game. You know, they have those RPO plays that are creative, but the run part of it isn't right. It's just a basic inside zone play. And it's the quarterback reading that. So, this is where I really think they could – this offensive line, they can, they can realize how much better they can be in terms of just actually physically dominating the line of scrimmage. You know, the zone run scheme, it really hides – you know, it hides that, uh, you know, if you're, if you're not as talented, you're not as big maybe. You know, a lot of zone run schemes, you can get away with not having as big a lineman because a lot of times you're just getting in the way and, uh, of, of defenders and the running back is kind of choosing where that hole opens up, right? I want to see a lot more, you know, gap running and, and, and power runs. And, and that's why I pointed to the Buccaneers, as you just mentioned, because that's what they do. And they have a great offensive line, right? We've seen them with Tristan Wirfs and, you know, Alex, you know, uh, Alex Kappa and, and the guys they have there, they've lost a few this off season, but they have, they have some, you know, a good offensive line and they've used it powerfully. They've used it on duo runs, which is a lot of double teams at the, at the point of attack and, and blowing guys off the ball. They, and, and the, the tweet I highlighted was uh, the pin and pull run, which, is a very, you know, it's, it's a pretty simple run concept, but it's basically if you got nobody over you, you're pulling into space and getting a, you know, a second level defender. If you do have someone over you as an offensive lineman, you're pinning them and, and taking them away from the play, to, uh, the play direction, right? The Chiefs just don't run a lot of that, and, and they, run, they, they really like to stick to their zone plays. And I'd really like to see them take advantage of the offensive line a lot more. As you mentioned, it's, one of the, it's probably the best he's had, you know, Andy Reid has had as a collection of a, of a group, you know, in, the, in his Chiefs career. And I, I think it's a, it's a great way, you know, it's a great way to ease the new offense in, you know, the 22-2 offense without Tyree Kill now and, and new receivers. A great way to kind of ease everybody in is hammer that ground game, make defenses, you know, uh, correct you and, and bring more people into the box. But until they do that, you know, dominate with the run game. And I really think the Chiefs have the offensive line to do it. And if they really, you know, put their scheme – you know, they kind of take their scheme and adjust it a little bit to be more, uh, you know, with more gap runs, more power runs. I really think it could be more impactful than we've seen it in the past, and, and they could they could really run up on run up on teams and really be one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL. The 49ers get a lot of credit for how they run their running game. They ran for 127 yards a game. Chiefs are at 115, so only 12 yards difference uh, between the Chiefs and the 49ers. They actually finished 16th right there at the halfway bar mark in the NFL in rushing. And you know what, Ron? You should be able to run with Patrick Mahomes being public enemy number one. If, you, if you're not facing eight-man fronts, you would think this offensive line could do some damage if they focused on the run. Well, and that's, that's the point I need to emphasize a little more is that they are getting very favorable run looks, but the run plays they call a lot of times do not take advantage of that because of the nature of the play. A zone run a lot of times, these, especially the outside zone runs where the running back's running horizontal to the line of scrimmage at first, you know, you're not getting your offensive line firing off the ball straight ahead and blowing guys off the ball, right? You're getting guys, you're, you're, you're kind of just, you know, um, they're running horizontally or they're just, they're kind of just getting in the way of guys. And that doesn't create the, that doesn't give you the advantage you get from facing those six-man boxes. If you're running true power plays like duo, as I mentioned, where linemen are firing out, there's no pass option on this, right? And that's where I, I kind of want to see and I think the offensive line can take can can benefit from not having that pass option in the back of their heads, right? Hey, he might throw it, so we can't get downfield. I can't get to this linebacker because I'm going to get a penalty, right? I want to see more of of truly designed run plays to take advantage of those light boxes. 
And that's the thing, man. You mentioned it with Mahomes. Teams are going to be really hesitant to stop or, or to put more people in the box because of because of Mahomes. No matter how good the run game's going, that's why I really feel like the the team the Chiefs could take advantage of that and really just pound guys. We saw it against the Bills a few years ago, right? That that huge rushing attack where Clyde Edwards had had about 160 rushing yards. That's what happened in that game. The Bills played really soft. They wanted to play. They didn't. They wanted to take away the pass. Well, the Chiefs responded by going under center a lot by just pounding the rock. I just feel like we could see that be a little bit more part of their strategy. It could have been. A big part of their strategy in the AFC Championship, when the Bengals started dropping eight people into coverage, we still saw them use the RPOs. And unfortunately, on one of those RPOs, Mahomes passed it when he shouldn't have, and it was an interception because the pass option was not there. But you give Mahomes that option, he's going to want to throw it a lot, right? So that's that's my key point is these defenses are going to continue to give you favorable looks against the run. You need to take advantage of that with true run looks, not these RPOs that you know the offensive line is, is, is soft off the ball. And even – uh, something I mentioned in the piece, receivers are also in pass patterns on those plays. They're not blocking, right? And 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 I think the the Chiefs have receivers now that can help them in the blocking game. And that's a, another aspect where I, I really think the run off offense could could take a leap and and carry this offense a little bit when they do struggle with with this, these new receivers and and you know not having Tyree Kill. I think the run offense could help them ease ease into this new era a little better. And that's one thing Sammy Watkins did well when he played. He was a great blocker. Now yeah, they now yeah. they brought in basically two Sammy Watkins. That was the one thing they were missing last year. That's the you know the X they missed. They tried for Juju a year ago. That they missed that, and clearly, you know they missed it because that's what they tried to get. And now you bring in Juju and MVS, and they become better blockers. How much better do you think? You know, in Tyreek Hill, he didn't mind blocking. He didn't mind putting his head in, but he was on pass routes a lot. I mean, that was his main focus was to be the the target, a wide receiver. But when you think about Juju and MVS with this team, that's exponentially better as a blocking scheme for, for screens and everything else with the wide receiver talent they have as far as tough guys. Yeah, I think Byron Pringle was was a was an able bodied and he was definitely a, a good guy that could that could, you know, get a block down. I think D Rob you know, uh, I, I don't think the same way as him, right? I, I really think Juju and MBS are, are, are better, you know, stronger blockers at the point of attack um, than, than the guys I just mentioned. And they have more experience in it, too. They've been in offenses. Think about the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, you know, when Juju first got there. You know, they, they had Le'Veon Bell there at, at first. And he, and, he, and he had to be used as that power slot where he's blocking off the edge quite a bit. Think about MBS. You know, that, that Green Bay running game, as much as you think about Aaron Rodgers, they ran the ball quite a bit these last few years under LeFleur. Yep. And, and MBS was a huge part of that, too. So these are experienced blockers. And I really do think they, they can have some more, uh, you know, more unique run design plays where they involve those receivers. And it also gives them an unpredictability, right? You can have Travis Kelsey, Juju, MBS, and McColl on the field, but you can, have, you can have them all spread out in a four wide wide receiver formation. Or you have Kelsey and Juju in, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage to help block on a run play. Or, you know, it gives you a lot more unpredictability. You don't have to just have your two tight end sets whenever you need a, a better blocker in there for that, you know, for the for the edge runs, right? I really think Juju and MBS can really, you know, uh, make it make their offense more unpredictable with their personnel packages too, which obviously will help defenses not be able to guess what they're doing, not be able to, you know, sell in on a or sell out on a run or a pass. That's where I really think it, it comes into handy, their, their versatility. They're both good receivers, right? We know that, but they're also going to be assets in the run game blocking. 
Yeah, and the one thing about it, too, is Tampa Bay and the way they utilized it, especially getting out and running, pulling centers, pulling guards. Exactly. They did a nice job with Ronald Jones. They really did. And you look at this team and Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith and Tooney, all guys that can get out, you know, and pull. But you really liked how the Buccaneers utilized Ronald Jones' talent. Where do you think his most effectiveness is behind in this backfield? Yeah, so that's where I think Jones really does complement what, what else they have at the running back position right now. I think Jones is a really good downhill runner, right? He likes to get downhill, and that's where these gap runs come in handy. Because a gap, you know, these power counter runs, you're hitting a specific gap. On these zone runs, you're reading where the, where the scene's going to open up, right? And it takes a lot more, you know, just, just intellect and, and quickness reaction, right? I think on these gap runs, it's, it's a lot more simpler, right? Hey, follow this guard through the hole. Fall, you know, run right off his butt and run as fast as you can off of that, right? And and I really think Ronald Jones excelled with that in Tampa Bay. And I also think Clyde can excel in those situations a lot more. I think sometimes he's a, he's a really good inside zone runner, but on these outside zones, I just don't think he has that speed to threaten the edge. And I think it, it allows defenders to feel pretty comfortable, you know, sitting back and 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 waiting for that cutback lane. Ronald Jones can build up some uh, head of speed and get around that corner. I really think he can threaten. The out, on those outside runs a lot better. And so all that to say, I, I really think Jones is going gonna, is gonna to be a, an asset in the run game, and, and especially on those power runs, as I've been mentioning. He does, he does seem to be – and he's a bigger body than Clyde, too, so he's a little bit better at shaking off those arm tackles in the box. Yeah, I really think on those inside, inside runs, especially the, the power and counter runs, Jones will be the best running back for those situations, in my opinion, on the team. Although I don't think Clyde – that's not to say Clyde won't be good in those situations, because I think Clyde also excels. When you don't, you know, you're not putting him, you know, you're not making him run to the outside. You're, you know, you're you're hitting the hole, and and he's, you know, he's making a linebacker miss in the hole. I think Clyde's best at that, but yeah, Jones is really going to be good at those downhill runs. I, I think that's where he excels. You know what? I think a lot of it you can look back at on film because Ryan Jensen's an outstanding center uh, for yeah. the Buccaneers, and he really got out in space and would pull a lot of those on a lot of those Jones into rounds. Creed Humphrey. And keep in mind, Ryan Jensen's like 31 years old. Creed Humphrey, I mean, listen, Ryan Jensen's a good center. Creed Humphrey's a better center. So if they had that success with Ryan Jensen, I would kind of look at what they did with him and made him successful, and that's how I'd use Creed. Exactly. And we've, and we've seen how good Creed is out in space. I, I, I can, you know, off the top of my head, I can remember a few, you know, against the Raiders, there's one where he just completely pancakes the defensive back out in front. I think it was on a screen. Um, yeah, Creed can move really well in space, and that's why, they should probably implement some more, some more of those pin and pull runs where you don't, you know, traditionally centers don't pull, right? It's kind of a hard thing to, to get down as a center. You're snapping and pulling at the same time. But Creed is the type of talent that can do it. And, and it's also, you know, just a, a different way to present a run a run play. They really don't run a lot of those. And, and I'd like to see him run more. And again, you just, you mentioned it with Jones. He excelled on those plays. And, and I really think not just Creed, though. Trey Smith and Joe Tooney, too, are really good, I think, in space as well. I think Trey, obviously, you know, he, he can get better about just being in space and moving in space and, and being more fundamentally sound, I think. I think he's, he's more of a mauler, right? He, you know, I, I think Tooney and Creed are more technical in space. But all that to say, all three of those guys, I trust to be leading, you know, Jones through a hole or out in space. And, and I'm excited to see all three of those guys in those situations because they're the type to, to really uh, put some hurt on whoever's going up in front of them. Ron Kopp, lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com. All right, Ron, here's the question for you tonight. The most underappreciated Kansas City Chief is? 
I love this question, and I thought about, uh, hard about this. And I'm going to go with Derek Noddy, the Chiefs defensive okay, tackle. I like that. Liked it. Yeah, right. And and I think he is underappreciated, um, just in general. First of all, I, I don't think you know. I, I think his contract, you know, what he signed for this year tells you. You know, he barely, you know, he signed a one year barely for anything after being a free agent this year. Man, he has been a lot more productive of a player than a guy that you just you know signed for nothing. Um, and, and this year he's going to be that starting defensive tackle beside Chris Jones. I mean, that, that's what it's projected to be now that Jaron Reed is not in the mix. You know, Reed definitely took that spot from him last year, but Nadi was still effective when he was in. He actually had, according to PFF, he had 30 tackles. And Jaron Reed, who led the defensive tackle uh, room in snaps, had 33. And, and Nadi had, had, you know, a, a significantly less snaps than Reed did. I think uh, out of all the defensive linemen, Nadi had one of the highest, um, you know, tackle per snap rates. And, and that just shows you that he makes plays when he's in the game. He's a great run defender. You know, he's not going to get pushed off the ball, man. He, he's going to hold stout he's at that one-tech position, not allowed linemen to blow him off. And, and also, you know, that strength, that bull rush sometimes, he's not the greatest pass rusher, but he'll collapse a guard into the lap, right? He'll collapse the center into the quarterback's lap just because he's got those thick legs and he just drives them, man. So I think Derek Naughty, I, he, he, was that, he was one of the, the best names that I thought of for underappreciation because – He's going to be a starting player, and he's a he's a really good defensive tackle, in my opinion, for what he does. He's a good nose tackle, good one-tech type of tackle. But I don't think he gets recognized as, as one of the better ones in the league. When I, I do think he's probably in the top, you know, top, you know, top half of, of the league in terms of uh, you know nose tackles or one-techs. I was going to go on Thornhill, but I don't see him as a fixture here in the as, in the future with the Chiefs. But I'm going to go with Nick Bolton, and I know it sounds Ooh. weird for a guy who led the Chiefs in tackles last year. But he doesn't get credit for leading the Chiefs in tackles. And he didn't start all those games. He just did it. He's wearing the green dot. And he's he's the next Derek Johnson for this team. And I don't think he gets the run for being the next Derek Johnson of this team. And he will be. And I think we forget a lot of times the Orlando Brown trade that he came over as pick 58 in the draft. Because of Orlando Brown, we got pick 58 and got Nick Bolton. I think it's time to start respecting him as a true leader on this defense. Yeah, I do see some of that underappreciation. I do think uh, there is, you know, a little bit of a narrative that, you know, he, he's just, you know, he's just a hitter, right? He's just a guy that comes up and hits, right? And and that just, you can't be, you can't rack up that many tackles for loss in the NFL as a rookie by just being a hitter, right? You have to know what you're doing. You have to be intellectual. You have to be fundamentally sound against the run. But also just, just the fact that he was able to step in last year when Hitchens was hurt. And, and the linebacker group got better. I mean, I hate to say it, you know, I, you know, Hitchens provided a lot of good snaps for this team, you know, and especially in that Super Bowl run. But, man, when Bolton came into that spot last year, the linebacker group was better. And guess what? The rest of the defense was, too. That was, that was when that stretch, of, that stretch of play happened, when the defense looked like one of the best in the NFL. I know we like to give the credit to Melvin Ingram, but I also think Nick Bolton's playmaking from that middle linebacker spot had a lot to do with it as well. So I think, I think especially nationally, you're right. I think he is underappreciated. I think nationally people don't really look at him as, as one of the next young best linebackers when, yeah, I, I don't think, you know, there's, a, there's not a lot of young linebackers that have impressed as much as him so far in the NFL. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one. Yeah, he, he did stuff that like four linebackers have done since 2000 being drafted. It's unbelievable the stuff he did. Ron, always enjoy the conversation. We'll think of a fun uh, question for you next time you join us, my friend. But uh, keep checking out arrowheadpride.com. Ron's remix, Read Remix, is on there right now. It's a really good read when it comes to the Chiefs running game. Appreciate you, Jay. And, yeah, we'll, we'll talk soon. St. Joe's coming. St. Joe's coming. That's right, man. That's right. Man, don't, don't get me excited about this. This is 
This is good stuff. Coming up next, though, top-selling jersey in the NFL. This might surprise you next. This is Bink at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Big and Night, Jay Binkley, Colin Settle, producing the operation. Well, well, well. Guess who's got the top-selling jersey in the National Football League, Colin? Do you want to guess, or should we just... No, I don't, I don't want to guess. Let's, let's ride. Let's ride. Let's ride. Broncos let's country. ride. Perfect. Okay. One more time. Broncos Perfect. country. Let's ride. Broncos country. Let's ride. Broncos country. Let's ride. Broncos country. Let's ride. I hope this is played at nauseum after the Chiefs play the Broncos and win. I hope we play Broncos country. Let's ride. But I'll give Russ this. He passes Tom Brady for best-selling NFL jersey following trade the Broncos. It didn't make sense, right? Got a lot of fans. Russ has got a lot of fans. He's got a ring. Tom Brady, though, doesn't it amaze you how many times he led the NFL and so on? I mean, you would think everybody would have it. And I get it when he moved to the box. It was different because that's a different jersey to go get with Tom Brady. But even when he was still with New England, at the end of his time there, he was just People were still buying his jersey, and I know they changed the jersey a little bit and all that, but they still bought it, and they bought it Nazi. I get it when you're traded. Like, let's say this. If Mahomes was traded, which he's never going to be, that would go back to number one because people would be buying that jersey. A little bit surprised, though, he'd be number one jersey. But you know what, though? Those Bronco fans have been waiting for anything. They did get a Stanley Cup in, in, in Denver with the Colorado Avalanche, so... Props to them on that because they've been taking a lot of L's. They're, they're 0-13 in the last 13 games against the Chiefs. Um, they lost the World Cup bid to Kansas City that they've all been crying about. With their MLS coach is crying about it too. Had Kansas City get it. They've been taking a lot of L's, but they, they want the Broncos to win. That's a football town. They live and die with the uh, Denver Broncos. Um, their stadium caught on fire earlier this year. I don't know if you saw that. A part of it, just a small part of it did. Uh, but Russell Wilson, and they're so excited about Russell Wilson, but he, Fanatics representative, said he passed Tom Brady um, for the top spot in jerseys. Listen, I'm sure Russ has some fans around the NFL but I think Denver's responsible for this because I think everybody in that town is buying this jersey. They're so excited. He's on billboards. Let's ride. But think about this, though. Across the NFL, there's so many popular quarterbacks now. Like State of Ohio, of Ohio, they're buying Joe Burrows. And I guess you don't even know who's going to be the Cleveland quarterback at this point. It's not Mayfield. It's going to be Watson. But when's he going to play? You don't know. But in Buffalo, they're all buying Josh Allens. You know, they're buying Herbert. In Los Angeles or Stafford, they're buying either of those. In the Midwest, they're buying Patrick Mahomes jerseys. So I guess I will say Denver 
is stepping up and buying this jersey at nauseum for them to get to this point? Because it is Russell Wilson they trust. And there's one thing that they want, and that's to beat Kansas City, which is funny. Denver's fascination with Kansas City. Like when they drafted Shane Ray, he had that Chiefs tattoo on his back. They hated it. They got Drew Locke, Kansas City kid as quarterback for a while. They hated it. I wonder if they've seen the pictures of Nathaniel Hackett, their head coach, wearing Chiefs gear. Because his dad was Paul Hackett, and he went to high school here in Kansas City, and he wore Chiefs stuff. I wonder if they've seen that. They draft Christian Brown to the Denver Nuggets, Kansas City kid. It's like they are so infatuated with Kansas City, they keep trying to get our own to help them out. It's the little victories, Bink. Coming full circle now. Well, you know, they, they could brag about the Lance, but we don't have an NHL team to compete with them. Because if we did, they'd beat them. The Royals are 2 of 3 against the Rockies this year. Sporting is 1-0 and against their MLS team. We have a World Cup bid they don't. Just saying, man. They do have good beer, but so do we. You know? We're right on, I mean, we've got a ways to go, but I think we're getting close to it. Denver's a great beer town, but Kansas City's a great beer town. I digress. Oh, by the way, text line, Jay Southland, Toast Service, text line 913-576-7610. Who's your most underappreciated chief? Coming up next, though, Kyle Brandt says Chiefs need to look out for the Raiders. Explain that next. This is Bink at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 